Good morning. A few weeks ago, we started in on this lesson, and last week I got down into the trees where we're supposed to look, you know, just over the highlights, and so we didn't get too far in our lesson, and it's really the in and out. But this week, I titled it Hot, Cold, or Lukewarm, because I'd like to get down and finish this lesson out. And obviously, if you're here this morning, you're probably not cold. So we're really dealing with the hot and the warm. Because we want to be found in Christ. And the world out here that we live in would like to do everything to clog your ears up. Class, he was talking about the dugout ears, whether we're listening to God and who we're listening to. And so that's really what happens, is you're influenced by what you allow yourself to listen to. You're a free moral agent. And your soul and its destiny is up to you. Because Christ already paid the price. He already did his work. He already did everything that he needed to do to secure your salvation. God's already done that, provided it for you. But now, because if you're a free moral agency, you have to decide like I do what we're going to take a hold of and listen to every day of our life. And so I'd like to encourage you that we know that Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I would also tell you that faith comes by hearing. And many people have heard the wrong thing out there in the world and they have their faith in the wrong thing. So when you read that Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, but it comes by hearing a certain thing. Not just anything. Because out there in the world... It's just like the rushing waters that's described in Revelation. You've got every kind of voice out there that would keep you from listening to God. And we come here because we want to hear what God wants from us. I want to be pleasing to God. Now, I know that I can't be perfect, and you do too. And we know that the price has already been paid on our behalf. And as we've been learning in class, even this morning, that that price was paid, really before time began in the mind of God. And so the price and the plan has already been there. It's up to you what you want to do with it. And that's why we're looking at this. Because we want to see if we're enjoying to God or if we're separated from God. If we're hot, cold, or lukewarm. So last week we did start at Romans 6.1. And I would like to go over to Romans 6 and read three verses, 4, 5, and 6. Uh, and 7, I guess, four verses there. We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death. Now, one of the things that we have to realize is that when we started this journey, all of us agreed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Because that's why we, when we get baptized, it's one of the confessions that we make. And knowing that, when we confess that, we don't know everything. We put our faith because of what we've read. Now, faith isn't blind faith like the world thinks out there. The reason that the world thinks that there's blind faith is because they haven't done enough investigating. But we know faith isn't blind. It's based upon evidence of things unseen. And that evidence is laid out in God's Word. And so he says... We are buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, 
so we might also walk in newness of life. So what happens is we realize that there's an oldness of life, the carnal man, and there's a newness of life. However, it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easy to say it, another thing to live it. But we make a choice. And guess what? The old adage is, you are what you eat, but you become what you think. And so it all depends on what you feed yourself and how much you care about building a relationship between you and God. Some people don't care. And some people doesn't matter to them. Some people don't value their souls. But God give every one of us value. And as Merle said this morning in class, every one of us is unique in the eyes of God. And we discount God, make him smaller, thus discounting ourselves and not understanding the value of our soul to God. And we've got to see that. Look what it says in verse 5. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Now, we didn't die. We're in the likeness of his death when we got buried and when we raised again. But look what it says. <clears throat> we shall also be in the likeness, or if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So there is a, therein is our hope. The resurrection after death. To life eternal with Father. Now, it's hard for us to imagine that. Because everything we know down here is finite. But God's inviting us to an eternal home. Eternal abode with him. This is the trial ground, folks. We're not in the eternal abode. We're in the temporal trial ground. Of the carnal life. I have a body, you have a body. And God implanted within this body a soul. Born a small child, just like the rest of them. And when we were born, we were innocent. We were still had that relationship with God because we didn't sin against Him. But as we got older, we made our choices. I made mine, you made yours. And we didn't always follow the directions of our Father. Therefore, we sinned. And having sinned, it only takes one to separate you from the Father. Having that and recognizing that, we come to him because we know that the grace that's given us is given to his son. And we get it by proxy because we're in Christ. It's a contract that God made with us. A contract from the Old Testament. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away so that we should no longer be in bondage. To sin. Now this doesn't say you're not going to sin. It says you're not in bondage to sin. Why? Because your mind is now set on a new thing. We don't set our mind on the old thing. Now, it takes a while to figure that out as we come into Christ. But the more we cut off of the world, because just like Jeff read, now that's one of the texts that I was going to read this morning. Be holy, for I am holy. We're wanting to come to the Father. We're not wanting to be enjoined to the world. In fact, we have to live in the world, and the world is our test, is our trial. But we want to be enjoined to God. And we want to be on the side of God in everything that we do, right? Because if we do that, then what? We're starting to walk in that light. We're walking in the light. And we have grace and mercy. 
So, you fell down this week. You didn't do everything you should have done this week. You left stuff out. You did stuff you should have done. All kinds of stuff. But you made some successes too. Guess what? If you're struggling against sin, you're walking in that light. You're walking with the Father. And you're pleasing. Now, you might not have pleased yourself. We all fall into that category, don't we? Because we're angry with ourselves because we let ourselves down. We let God down. We let ourselves down. But we knew better, or we should have known better, or we could have been stronger, or we could be stronger. That's why we cling to Christ, cling to the cross. Because we know that we have forgiveness and mercy, sanctification, and all those things. We don't want to get closer to the world. We want to get closer to God. Turn with me to Colossians, second chapter, and we're going to read, uh, starting in verse 13. We're made alive. You know, when we talk about life and death, death is a separation. Death is a separation. When it talks about the soul that sins will surely die. That die, that death is a separation from God. Because God is the source of light. God is the source of life. God created life. And when we work against him and sin, we cut ourselves off from those spiritual blessings that he has in Christ. That's where the world is out there. So let's read this here to see what he's trying to show us. That he's made us alive even though we were dead. We were separated, but Christ came, and now we're alive. We've got to understand that. Because, you see, if you keep thinking that you don't have that relationship, if you've been baptized and, you know, you're not perfect and all that, and you don't understand that you have this contracted relationship that God's given us, <coughs> then you're going to be all your life a legalist trying to perform perfection in your own life without the, the Christ being in your life. Because Christ is one that leads us into better behavior, better thoughts in our heart. Works God. Takes away the dross. That's what he actually does. And you being dead, verse 13, through your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you, I did, I say, did he make alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. So which one of your trespasses that you did this last week wasn't forgiven? God's not like you and I. God's not a man. If you hit me, I might want to hit you back. That's a carnal man thing. If you do wrong to me, I might want to do wrong to you. That's a carnal man thing. God's not like that. God's looking at us through his son. He doesn't look at me directly because I have nothing to offer except for my faith in his son. That's where it's at. <coughs> he made alive together with him, with Christ. Our faith is in that Christ rose and that we will also rise with him spiritually. The body's going to die. We know that. The body is wasting away as we live every day. And we know that people die around us every day. So is it special that they die? No, everyone's going to die at some point. The difference is, is what have we done with our life in the meantime? Have we given that thankfulness to God? You know, we talked about that this morning in class. 
the thank the offer of thanksgiving. Let's see, having uh, let's see, which was contrary to us. Oh, let's word fourteen. Having blotted out the bond written in ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So that old law where we had to make all those ordinances and sacrifices and stuff, he nailed all that to the cross. Now that's not saying he nailed God's morality to the cross, but the law. We're now free in Christ from those old things. Our sacrifices are spiritual in nature. Now, when we make a spiritual sacrifice, it comes out the way we are, doesn't it? Because I am how my heart is. Am I not? Are you not? We are who we are. That's how individual we are, but we we express ourselves from our heart and our mind outward. That's how we know one another. Verse 15, having despoiled the principalities and the powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink. We don't need to go any further. But we see that we've been forgiven. We've been made alive. Ephesians 1. This is where he was at this morning over there in Ephesians 1. So we won't try to read the whole thing. But I was going to start in about verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and the revelation of the knowledge in him having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you might know what the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I want to stop right there and go back to class this morning. Merle was making a, a mention of how that God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship with us. Now, we all know that we want a relationship with God because he's the provider of everything and you know we don't want to go to hell and that kind of thing. But we don't see that God places an important value on you and 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 me. And so important that the blood of his only begotten son that came down here and lived and was faithful to him as an innocent lamb slain so that we might live. And he lived too, see. And so we've got to see the love that God has for us. A lot of times we just think God's against us. We think, well, I, I can't do it. I'm not very good. I'm not that perfect. Yeah, well, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. And this is the same thing everybody's going through. No one's worthy. Only Christ makes us worthy. Christ puts us with that access to God where we can pray directly to God, where we can have an enjoyment to God. But we have to ask ourselves, do we want it? Do we want it? Some people want it. Some people don't. And some people, they're a little apathetic about it. They're better one way or another. <coughs> How valuable is your soul to you? Have you thought about it? If you, were, if you knew that you were going to die today at 3 o'clock, and it was going to be your last breath you're going to take. And you got about, a, oh, three hours and 20 minutes to live. How would you live? What would you do? What would you think about? 
Would all this other stuff out here be that important when you only got three and a half hours to live? See, we don't, we don't think about it like that because we, we're so used to living every day that we think we've got more life enjoyed out here. But we don't know that. We just don't know that. And do you want to live in a way where at the last minute you're going to spin around and try to enjoy God? You won't even be able to enjoy the salvation that he gives us down here. He's working with us to mold us into a Christ-like creature. I'm as ugly as I'm going to be. He ain't going to change that about me. I'm getting uglier until I'm getting older. It's not the outside man that's changing. He's changing the inside man. You are who you are. You're not Christ. You're not an apostle. You're not a hero of faith. Neither am I. We're a person that God created, put a soul inside. Regular. But he calls us. And if we listen to him, we can go to him. And in this text here, verse 18, look at the last part of that. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Riches of his glory. He's got an investment in you and I. He wants us. But he's not going to take us if we don't want to be there. And he's not going to take us if we don't care. Because it's all about love. And love is what? Love is a hug? No. Love is friendship? No. Love has been displayed as sacrifice. And so we're to have spiritual sacrifices. See? I'm changed the way I think. So I no longer want to think on the ideologies of men. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of stuff going out there to stress you out. All the stuff that's going on out there to stress you out. And it's made to stress you out. But when we come to God, He gives us a rest. He gives us a rest from that world. Yeah, we live in it. But we're not out there flowing down the river with it. Because we make a stand. We make a stand with God. Because He paid a price for our sins. Verse 19, He says, And what the exceeding greatness of His power to us word, who believe according to that working of the strength of His might, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now I want you to notice something. This is all God's doing. He did this. He raised him from the dead. He made provision. He made salvation. What's my part in it? If he's done everything, what's my part in it? Acceptance, faith, hear, believe, and obey. But I'm not perfect. Perfect in Christ. Not in performance. You're going to work on your performance till the day you die. Whoa. We're all that. We're all working on our performance till the day we die, but that we're convinced of Christ. We're sold under Christ's banner, not under sin. We're set free from sin, condemnation of sin. And often we condemn ourselves and dissuade ourselves and get depressed about it because we're not listening to God. We're listening to ourselves. I'm condemnable in my own eyes. Come on. But in the eyes of God, He sees me through the blood of Christ. So although I'm condemnable in my own eyes and the devil wants to accuse me, 
Christ has taken out that separation to where I can leave that stuff behind and come to God and be one of the saints, one of the remnants that He purchased with His Son's blood. Verse 20, Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and made Him to set at the right hand in heavenly places. That's the authority of Christ. That's the authority of Christ. He completed the mission. He pleased the Father. He's up in glory at this point. Which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and made Him to set at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things, all things in subjection under his feet and he gave him to be head over all things to the church. To the church, if you're the called out of God. The word church means ecclesia in the Greek and it just means called out for a particular purpose. A group of people called out for a particular purpose. The hell's angels are a church. But not the church that God made. They're called that group of people for a particular purpose. Governmental people, the same thing. You can call it church if you want to. That term is not a religious term. It just means a called out group of people. But we're called out for a particular purpose, and that is in Christ. What we call church Christ. Called out group of people in Christ. And look what it says, verse 22. And he put how many things in subjection to Christ? All things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him to be head. So if we're looking for leadership, if we're looking for guidance, if we're looking for anything that we need in God, it's in Christ. Because he's the head of all things. So when I'm looking to get closer to God, I don't look for my own perfection, I look for Christ and obedience to the faith in Christ. Because i got a lot of problems. But Christ secured my salvation if I'm walking towards Him and with Him. Is my walk perfect? No. You're just not going to be either. I'm sorry to say. None of us are. But guess what? Our intent is to walk. Our intent is to be obedient. Our intent is to be in compliance, not in rebellion. Turn over with me to 2 Corinthians 6. Go down to about verse 14 to the end of the chapter. He's showing us how separate we are. When we come into Christ, it's a whole new, we become a whole new creation in Christ. He created this from the dirt. From dust you come, to the dirt you'll go. And there's nothing that will save a person except for the Spirit of Christ comes in you. Because that inflates the man. That allows God to know who that person is. You know that? God knows those who come to Him that are looking towards Him. I can show you that in the Old Testament. I don't have a scripture here today. But in the Old Testament, it tells us God looks down from heaven to see those who would look up. Guess what? There's a lot of people who don't look up. But those ones that do look up, he wants, He's looking for them. 
Just like the prodigal son. He's looking far off. He's made a preparation for them. And then we sit there and let the world convince us that God's against us. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. But all my life, the world always preached that. God's against you. But he ain't. He's for you. You're against yourself. When I learned that, then that was a real big thing. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians 6. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So now he's making a distinction between believers and unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with iniquity? Now I want you to stop right there. There's two things, iniquity and righteousness. Iniquity is those vain things out here in the world. Don't please God, but it pleases men. Righteousness is the thing that pleases God. And guess what? Righteousness usually doesn't please men. Because they're opposed to Christ out here in a lot of ways. So when you practice righteousness, you're going to rub somebody a little bit wrong, a little bit raw, because they don't like that. Because righteousness is not good, better, and best. It's a spiritual thing that's higher than that. The most excellent. That's what we serve. It's the most excellent high. God. And what concord, verse 15, hath Christ with Belial? In other words, Christ with the world. Or what portion has a believer with an unbeliever? See the unequally yoked? We don't want them having a yoke over us to where they're controlling us so that we can worship our God in freedom. See? Wherefore, verse 17, look at the admonition here. Wherefore, come ye out from among them. Who's them? The world. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be to you a father, and ye shall be to me sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Now, what kind of God, what kind of person would just try to trick his kids all the time and just punish them for nothing? And what father would throw a kid out because he did something wrong one time? I did a lot of wrong stuff. I got a few beatings and stuff, you know, but I didn't get no throwing out. Because Dad loved me. And he knew that I needed a good whooping. Because the Bible told him so. And it's crazy. And so instead of being down there wall to wall, I'm standing here for you today. See? I'm at wall wall prison. Because you see, sin is destruction to people. And I know it's a, I'm making a, a, an exaggerated argument, but sin is a destruction. You go down that path and you're not going to find any good thing. Righteousness is the path that leads to God. And look at verse 18. I'll be to you a father. A father. That's the relationship that God wants with us. He wants a mutual relationship. He, doesn't, he wants compliance, not complacency. He wants us to want Him. Do you love God? Have you examined and thought about the provisions of God in your life? Have you thought about the fact that he's inviting you to heaven through the blood of his son? See, our spiritual sacrifices now are sacrifices of thanksgiving. Because I'm thankful, I don't want to participate in those ideologies out there. Because they're opposed to my Lord. The one who gave his very life for him, for me. 
Ephesians 2, if you go over there with me. We're making good time here. That's good. Ephesians 2, we're going to read the uh, uh, first 13 verses, looks like, here. Because I want us to see that we're workmanship in Christ. We are a workmanship. He's, he's working with us. <coughs> now, unfortunately, he's not going to make me any taller, which I always want to be a little taller. He's not going to, that's not the kind of workmanship he's, going to, he's doing with me. I wish I was a little narrower. Well, that's not the kind of work when Chef is doing with me either. What's he doing with me? He's trying to change the heart. He's trying to circumcise the dross of my heart and bring me into him like a son to a father. Because that's the kind of relationship he wants. But I have to want it. Has to, it he's already done all the calling. He's already written all the text. He's already done the sacrifice. It's up to me to make a response. Daily, every day, eternally. But it's up to me to make a response. up to you to make your response. Ephesians 2, 1, he says, And you did he make alive when you were dead through your trespasses and sins, wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air. In other words, down here on the earth. Of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Now I want to stop there for a moment. Because I remember as a child, I was a son of disobedience. More than once. And I'll tell you what. That son of disobedience got a good little butt whooping coming. And I got a few of those. And I learned real quick what it was to disobey my dad. And I also learned that what Dad said, he meant. But he's fair. But he never lied to me. And so I learned what obedience was, whether I liked it or not. But God doesn't want it like that. God wants our willing obedience. He wants us to, we're adults. He wants us to wise up, not think he's just children. Wise up and think that God's on my side. He's doing these things for my benefit. When I'm tried, there's something I need to learn from it. God's, I'm getting chastised, but there's something I need to learn from. Because I'm, he's working with me, trying to make me, he's, his workmanship. So what is he trying to make me? Less me and more Christ-like. Christ's the one that showed us our, the example. Now, that's difficult for me. I have to read and study and think about those things a little bit, see? And you have to change your mind on a few things. But that's what he's doing, see? Let's read this. And you did make a lie when you did your trespasses and sin, wherein you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, of the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom we also all once lived in the lust of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh, and I want you to read this one, and of the mind. We live in a day right today where the internet is everywhere. And you can, you can be on there, and you can do all kinds of things with your mind. It probably ain't pleasing to the Father. I'll leave it at that. We've got to watch where we go, even there. Because it's what we see and what we hear and what we put into our minds. Either the things of this world or God. But look what he says. The desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, 
for his great love wherein he loved us, we've got to see that. We've got to see that. He cares about you. You may not care about you, but he cares about you. He cared about me. Christ cared about me. Christ cared about you. It's up to you to care about you enough to respond to God. We're not. You can be apathetic, lukewarm, cold, whatever you like, you know. But I read this, verse 4, as this. But God being rich in mercy, for his great love, wherein he loved us, wherein he loved me, even when we were dead, even when we were sinners, dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved. It's the favor of God. Well, I can tell you right now, I have never done anything to elicit the favor of God except to obey Christ. Does that make sense? What can I offer God? He gave me everything I have. If I went and got all the gold and diamonds out of the earth and offered it to Him, He made them. I just stole them from Him to give them back to Him. What can I offer God? My faith. My obedience. My trust. My love. Sacrificial love. I'm not talking about I'm going to, you know, there's people, I, I think it's very disrespectful when people call the Father, our Heavenly Father, earthly names like Papa, Dad, Daddy, stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of religious people that do that now. Those are earthly names for us, earthly fathers. We worship the Creator, the Father of lights. And thus, He deserves that kind of respect. I'd like to give him that kind of respect. I'd like to be thankful. I'd like to think that I have the capability of doing that. And God gives us that in Christ. I don't know how to say thank you. I, oh, except for what he tells me. I don't know how to say, I know that you've already given this blood for me. And my salvation's already secured, even as weak and frail as I am. But thank you. Thank you. I don't deserve it. But you made me worthy. I'm not worthy, but you made me worthy. Thank you, Lord. And that thanksgiving will flow from our heart to our mind, to our bodies, to our wives, to our lives. Even when we were dead, verse 5, and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace have you been saved, and raised up with him. Now look at this. This isn't in the future. This isn't in the future, folks. This is present tense. And raised us up with him and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Because our minds and thoughts are above now. And that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. He's going to show the riches of his grace in the kindness towards us in Christ. So he'll have something to boast about. His righteousness and his grace and his mercy that he shed on us. Undeserved. We didn't deserve it. But guess what? We decided that we raise our hand and we go, you know what? I know Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I know that I can't work it out myself, but He can. He's already done it. So I trust Him. I trust Him. That's my Lord. I'll do whatever He asks. Good, bad, uphill, downhill. And in the trials, I'll realize they're for my good in my life. 
By grace have you been saved, verse 8, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, a gift, a gift of God. We've got to understand that. You're not going to go up there that day, and neither am I. Well, Lord, look what I've done. Here, yeah, I've done this, 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 this. Oh, look at all these things. I'm good, right? Because all the things that I ever did good in my life is as filthy rags by the ketosis that before God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go up there with all my filthy rags, sin-stained rags, all my red rags, and put up there, well, here, Lord. No. no. I'm going to say, Christ, my righteousness, Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting me in. Thank you for letting us see and understand and hear and obey. And the devil's going to say, hey, but, 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 but he did this and this. And then, God says, he's a son of mine. My mother used to do that. People used to tell her all the stuff I did around town. And she, no, that, that's, not, that's not my son. My mother loved me a lot. And, and she knew the truth. She kind of knew. But she overlooked it. Because I had her faith. Her, her grace and her favor. My sister's up here smiling. <laughs> she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I had her grace and her favor. Other kids, they could do the stuff, and oh, they're the baddest kids in the world. I do it well. There was a difference there. Because I belonged in that household. She loved me, in spite of all my faults. God loves us, in spite of our faults. It not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works that no man should glory. For we are, here's our key verse, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, I have something to do. Oh, it didn't say for good pleasure. It didn't say for good relaxing. It didn't say for good uh, just taking it easy. You know, I just take it easy for a while. No, it's good works that we're, we're prepared for. There may be other people that you hear about the Word of God. You ever think about that? He don't want us to be selfish. He wants us to put Him first, other people second, kind of over here to the side, stuff between us and God, and then our, us third. We serve God first. We serve others second. Now, we don't know how to do that. Well, maybe you do. I mean, there's moms and stuff out there. They know how to do that. I was kind of an only child, even though I had brothers and sisters, so I don't know how to do that well. But I'm trying to learn something. But how do I learn? Oh, the world? No. It teaches me how to put myself on the back burner. More important things. I'm already saved. More important things than getting all my stuff done. But we have, I have a hard time learning that. We're working on it. But as we work on it, guess what? We're still saved by grace <laughs> and favor. Because God doesn't see me the same way he sees the world. Just like my mother didn't see me the same way she seen all the other kids. All the other kids were definitely right. Stop it. But I had her favor. And that's the way we are with God. But look what it says verse 10. For we are his workmanship. So are we molding ourselves? No. We're his workmanship. But how can I become his workmanship? Oh, compliance. 
compliance. Oh, I can listen. I can listen and comply. And let him work within me. And trust him that he's working within me. But I read it from his word. I'm not, not blind faith. We don't just read a couple of scriptures and go, oh, well, we've got everything. No, we're going to build that faith. We're going to build that faith. He's going to see us through till the day of Jesus Christ. We've read that scripture too. So we're going to build that faith. Let him walk with us so that he can see us through because he wants us. He's, that's why he's calling and inviting. You ever invite somebody over to your house you don't want over there? He invites those that would listen to him, that remnant. He invites the whole world, actually. But only a remnant of people will listen to him. Are you part of that remnant? Are you listening? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Walk in them. Not running. I'm not a very good runner. Most people aren't. But we can walk. We can walk with him. Turn with me to Galatians 5. We're going to read uh, 13 through the end of the chapter there. For ye brethren were called for freedom. Only use not your freedom for an occasion to the flesh, but through love be servants one to another. Through love be servants one to another. Through love. Is that love that, you know, like I'm going to give Darren a hug here in a second? Love be servants one to another. Love is sacrificial in nature. When you're a servant, what are you doing? If I was to serve, if I'm going to be your waiter this afternoon, I'm your servant, what am I doing? I'm sacrificing my pleasures and time to serve you. What would you like to eat? What would you like to drink? What would you like to have? Give me that order and I'll go get it. That's service. That's service to others. Be servants through love. Be servants one to another. Again, not just being servants to one another out of nothing, but through love, sacrifice. Because what's the end goal? What's the end goal of us coming here this morning? Salvation of individual souls to God. That's the, that's the whole thing. The whole purpose of everything we do here is that you might look up to God. We don't worship man here except for Jesus Christ, Him crucified. We don't go after man's creeds here. I don't have a creed. I don't have any rules for you. God has those for you. We're all under those same rules. I have to do the same thing you have to. I just have to be an idiot that can stand up here and not worry about being embarrassed. But we're all under the same grace, love. And we're called the same thing. That's why he says, But through love be servants one to another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, even as this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, this is not the world. The world is, let's take advantage of our neighbor a little bit. But let's pretend we love each other, you know. This isn't that kind. This isn't a pretense. This isn't a facade. This isn't an outward thing. It's an inward thing. It's who we become. 
For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye devour one another, take heed that ye not be consumed of one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Now, now listen. He's saying, walk by the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what happens when we fight, have envy, strife, all this? Not good. Because we're all subjects to the Master. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're, we're servants of the Most High God. We're just trying to paddle in the same boat. You know? We're already accepted of God. We actually don't need to paddle. We, he provides engine. Christ. <coughs> But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. So here's the thing. Do you see yourself more than flesh and bones? Or is that all you are? Because the world wants you to see yourself as that. You know? You're like Rover. When, it's, when you're dead, it's all over. But we know that the Bible does not preach that in any way, shape, or form. Every soul that God created, God created. If He put your soul in a body, try to escape it. I'll give you five, ten minutes. Let's see how you do. Without killing yourself. You can't. That's why people do all the things that they do out here trying to escape the body. Your spirit's trapped in a body. Guess who did guess who did it? God did. When you were born. Now if God can trap your body or your spirit in the body that you're now in, you don't think he can control it after life's over? Boy, that's some ridiculous thoughts the world has out there. Ridiculous thoughts. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary to one another, that you may not do the things that you would. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the condemnation of the law. The sin of the soul should die. You're walking by the Spirit. God wants you to come to Him. You're walking by the Spirit. You're not condemned. You're not condemned. You're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are made known, which are these, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, which is the partying and nonsense, idolatry, which is, you know, love of things you shouldn't love, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousies, wrath, factions, divisions, parties, envyings, drunkenness, revelings, and such and like, of which I forewarn you, even as I did forewarn you, that they who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Again, let's go back to that. Love and joy, right there, first two things. That love he's talking about is sacrificial nature. It's a thing that we understand. It's a thing that we understand. If one of these kids, and I don't care which one of them, any of them about under this, this, this tall, would run out in the street, there ain't one adult here that wouldn't go after that kid. Parent or not. Right? Right. Why? Because you love the kid enough to sacrifice. Because you know that he don't know or she don't know what's that truck coming down the street's going to run right over and squish him like a pancake. They don't know it. But you do. And so you run out there and go, swish him out of the way. You might get hit. You might get hit. 
A lot, of, a lot of people die, you know, trying to save a child. Why? Because that's sacrificial love. And God, Christ did the same thing. He's pushing us out of the road and He died doing it. But then He rose again too, proving that He was the innocent Lamb that could die for the sacrifices. That's why He's the Son of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Wow! We could do a whole sermon on these couple of verses. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. And they that are of Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with the passions and the lust thereof. If we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit, let us also walk. Let us not become vainglorious, provoking one another, envying one another. So see, he's describing the fellowship that we can have with one another through love. So you may not like the look, way I look, but you can overlook it. You may not like my loud, boisterous ways, but you can overlook it a little bit, see? Because we love one another. Just like my mother used to overlook all the stuff that I used to do. She wasn't ignorant about it. She's overlooked it. Romans 12. We're almost done. I got just a few more verses. We're going to read the first five verses. Because here it is. In a nutshell. I beseech you therefore, brethren. Now look at there. The beseeching. It's like the calling. It's an invitation. He's teaching us. He's saying, listen, do you value yourselves? Listen to this. I beseech you, dear brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you see, by the mercies of God, I can overcome those things. So he says, present myself as a living sacrifice. I can't do it without, unless I know the mercies of God. The mercies of God is I already have salvation. Thank God that I have salvation because I can't walk perfectly. But I'm going to try to do my best and offer my body's instruments of righteousness. We'll get to that in a minute. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Look at that. Spiritual service. I have a spiritual service towards you. Vice versa. And not be fashioned according to this world. Notice the fashion there. That's the way we are, the way we live, the way we dress, the way we talk, all that stuff, you know. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where do we get that at? Hearing of God's word. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. For I say through the grace that was given me to every man that's amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but so to think as to think soberly, according as God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. For even as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office or same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and severally members one of another. Now I'd like you to read the rest of that text all the way down to the bottom of the scripture, verse, chapter, I mean. I don't have time to read it this morning. But you should. Because he's enjoining us to have love and fellowship with one another so we can have fellowship with him. It's all dependent, it's all codependent upon one another, see. Because I have spiritual sacrifices to make. I have spiritual services to do. I've been called to a work. 
We have to see that. We have to see that. First Peter 1. I've just got like three verses left, so I'll try to go through them fairly quickly. Because I know that you've already got the gist of the lesson. First Peter 1, go down to verse uh, 16. Again, God enjoining us. God's inviting us. God's giving us instruction here. He says, because it is written, ye shall be holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on him as the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to each man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now he doesn't mean fear like the world does, fear from hell necessarily, but understanding who our creator is. Understanding the sacrifice that we were bought with. Understanding the work, the walk that he wants me to do. And understanding that I'm probably not able to do that walk very well. I'm human. So I can walk in Christ. And he'll walk with me. And he'll be with me. Knowing that you were redeemed not with corruptible things, with silver or gold from your vain manner of life, handed down to you from your earthly fathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb without spot, even the blood of Christ. That's what we purchased with. Who was foreknown indeed before the foundation of the world was made known at the end of times, but was made known at the end of times for your sake. Who through him are believers in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing that you have purified. Now I want you to look at this verse. This is an interesting verse. Because it's talking in a past tense here. Because it says seeing ye have. So if I say you you have cooked the dinner, that means she's already cooked the dinner. Have is past tense. So let's read this again. Seeing ye have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. Wait a minute. <laughs> I obeyed the truth, but I still got a lot of problems. How can that be? No. The purification of souls in Christ. Because of my obedience. Not because of my perfection. My obedience. So let's read it again. Verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls in your obedience to the truth. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Unfeigned love. In other words, you're willing to do anything. Just like that little child walking out in the road. Love one another from the heart fervently. That sacrificial attitude is to be fervent. Having been begotten again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. And we can see the rest of it. We're here and gone tomorrow. Last two verses. Revelation 3. I know I'm a little long, but I'd like to finish this one out today, so I apologize. Revelation 3, 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, this is in Revelations, and he's writing to these seven churches, these things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold or hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. 
Because thou sayest, I am rich, and have gotten riches, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. They didn't see how they really were. And actually, this, this group of people had wealth. They actually had physical money and physical riches and things. But he calls them poor, blind, wretched. Because even though they had things in this world, they didn't have spirit, see. And look at what it says in verse 18. I counsel thee. This is what we're being counseled, you and I, in the churches. I counsel thee to buy of me gold refined by fire, that thou mayest become rich, and white garments, that thou mayest clothe thyself. This is all spiritual. He's not talking about real gold. He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about faith. That thou mayest clothe thyself, and that the shame of thy nakedness not be made manifest, and in, and I solve to anoint thy eyes, thou, thou mayest see. As many as I love, now here it is, as many as I love, I reprove and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. Do you see that? There's a combining there. I invite him in, and he comes in. He's no longer the guest, he's the host. And he's going to sup with me and I with him. Because we're in agreement. How can I be in agreement if I don't know? How can I be in agreement if I don't read? I was in disagreement with God for a long time, so I started reading his word. And then when I read his word, what happened? It insulted me because it called me all kinds of things I didn't want to be called. Right? But although it insulted me, it wised me up, too. Because he didn't lie to me. He never told me to lie. Everything he said in there was the truth. And I realized that he was my God. The one that created me, you see. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. He that overcometh, overcometh what? This world. I will give to him to sit down with me in my throne. And I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And the last verse we're going to read, Colossians 3. And then we're done. Again, you can take these home and, and go through them. Because the new man in Christ is like this. He says, If then you were raised together with Christ out of that baptistry, seek the things that are above. Notice the seeking there. He's told us to seek those things. One time I sought the world. I sought all the things of the world. But now he's saying... Slow down here. Turn around here a minute. Look at the reality of eternal life. And seek those things with your mind. Turn it around. Seek those things with your mind. You think that the earth is all that God has to give you, you're sort of mistaken. This is the trial ground. He's going to fold it up. He's going to burn it one day. What happens to paper after you burn it? Is it any good for anything? It's ash. This isn't the end. This is just the beginning. This is the trial ground. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are upon the earth. For ye died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall be made known, then, ye, then shall ye also with him be made known in glory. Put to death, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
For which things cometh the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience, wherein ye also walked once when ye lived in these things. And then he goes on down there and put together all those things. You can read all that, but skip down to the 13th verse, or the 10th verse, excuse me, first. And having put on the new man, that's where we're at, putting on the new man that is being renewed unto knowledge after the image of him that created him. And then skip down there to the 13th verse, and this will be our last one. Because it's important. Well, 12 and 13. It's important that we see this. Put on, therefore, as God's elect, holy and beloved, a heart. A heart. First thing he's talking about. A heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and long-suffering. Forbearing one another in forgiving each other. If any man has a complaint against any, even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. You can read the rest of it, but that's the sermon. Hot, cold, or lukewarm. It's up to you. It's up to you. No one is forcing anybody. That's one thing. There's a few things that we love about God. And I don't have time for another sermon. But one of the things I love about God is A, He tells us the truth, and B, He doesn't twist our arms. It's up to you. It's up to me. He never twisted my arm yet. But He offers us the only thing worth having is salvation of our soul. If you're a Christian this morning, I hope this has helped you to see the value you have in the eyes of God so that you can walk strongly in your faith before God. And if you're outside the body of Christ, we'd invite you to be baptized into Christ where you can raise up out of the baptistry to walk in the of life that you can truly be a child of God. Thank you for listening. Let's stand and sing our closing song. Whoever's leading. Thank you. Friends.